Good afternoon, and welcome to Music Speaks. I am your host, Sean Rancunas. This is the podcast that is dedicated to how music impacts one person's life. I believe that many people have a playlist that makes their life unique through music. A musical quote for today, an artistic impression is substantially the resultant of two components. One, what the work of art gives the onlooker, and the other, what he's capable of giving to the work of art. Arnold Schoenberg. And I think that's a great segue into introducing my guest. If you had to ask me to find someone who was always a glass half full personality, I would say that you'd have named my guest right on the nose. He is hardworking, smart, caring, and always willing to talk about anything and a real good friend. His name is Nico Villeneuve. Nico grew up in a family that encouraged him to always try new things as a kid with a mom that played clarinet and bass clarinet through grade school, and a dad that valued music fundamentals and played guitar in a band with some friends. It was practically inevitable that music would be a part of his life in one way or another. In fifth grade, Nico began playing clarinet in his elementary school band and grew passionately about learning music. Shortly after, his parents started him on private clarinet lessons, and not soon after, starting seventh grade, he began composing. Neko grew up in Southern California until his father's work relocated them to Florida to the summer before his eighth grade year. This would turn out beneficial in the long run as Neko found his choice school for his undergrad, Stetson University, nearby in DeLand, Florida. There, he studied music composition with Sid Hawkinson, a renowned conductor slash composer of the Aspen Contemporary Ensemble and formerly of the Eastman School, and also studied composition as well with Manuel de Marga. Nico also studied clarinet in the studios of Buffett performing artist Lynn Musco and Jessica Speak. During his time there, Nico enjoyed many opportunities to work on his compositional skills, including winning the Stetson Composition Contest for his solo marimba work, Polar Circles. The professors at Stetson have a profound impact on him, as their teachings made him decide to pursue a career in higher education, which led him to Ithaca College, which he is currently studying for his Master's in Music Composition. Hey, Nico, how you doing? Doing pretty great. Been uh, enjoying the Florida sun, honestly. Yeah, you've been getting a lot of walks around the area where you live uh, uh i've spent more time in my pool honestly mm. there's been there's been a lot of sun so uh especially since we had our spring break extended i spent a lot of days in the pool <laughs> <laughs> how are you staying sane right now during the quarantine um my brother really mm. um okay over the last couple of years we've gotten really really close and um, I don't think that, like, it's, we've gotten really close. And so um, he's practically become, like, my bre- my best friend at this point. Hmm. So, um, you know, we, we have our routines where during the day we uh, are doing our schoolwork and stuff like that. And we take, like, a little break to maybe play a game here. And then usually after dinner, um, we're, my brother does these daily vibraphone recordings that he's been doing during this time. And then once he's done with those, um, it's hangout time. And so we'll play pool, uh, we'll watch YouTube videos, we'll play games, 
it's just a lot of fun. So I've really been, uh, it's been lucky that I can spend time with my brother during this time. It's been a lot of fun. Earlier in your early in your bio, you mentioned to me that uh, you liked doing new things when you were young. Did this only relate to music? Um, I don't know if it's so much as I like to do new things. I mean, I definitely have, but uh, my parents would definitely encourage me to try new things. Um, you know, so like for example, um, early on, like in first grade, my parents. Uh, encouraged me to start in uh, Cub Scouts as a Tiger Cub at the very beginning. And they're like, you don't need to, you know, they never made me, like, stick with anything. They're just like, give it some time and then think about it and then you can stick with it if you want to. So, for example, with that, like, I went all the way to my Eagle Scout. Mm. And that was because they kind of, like, just introduced me to the idea as uh, Cub Scout. Um, but then, like, for example, like, karate. Like, I did karate for a few years, but my parents saw that I never really liked it too much, so they let me stop. And then, like, um, we did, like, a lot of sports through the local church. And I started off doing a lot of baseball, and then I fell in love with soccer. And then I kind of drifted away from baseball into soccer, and my parents were totally encouraging the whole way. So that's something that happened with music, too, was, um, you know, they encouraged me to try it out. And that was actually something that I wanted to, to get into in the first place, but they were always encouraged me, encouraging me. Um, all through my life to do things. What was the first sort of musical experience that you had, or musical memory? Ooh, gosh, first musical memory. Um, I mean, it's hard to say because my my parents, like, we had a piano in our house. So I would say um, one of the first two would either be my dad playing guitar Hmm. or me fidgeting around on the the family piano and being like oh mom look i made a song and it's just like me pounding on the piano right yeah uh you know i I never really learned how to piano in fact we sold it shortly um like probably by the time i was five but um that would be probably one of my my earliest musical memories what about the first concert you've ever been to um so the first concert that i went to was uh, I'm pretty sure it was Bon Jovi mm. at the uh, Honda Center in uh, Anaheim. Mm. Got to see Bon Jovi in a huge stadium. It was really fun. What was that experience? Bon Jovi at the time. What was the What was that experience like? Uh, it was really fun. Uh, so it was interesting because it was like you know I was young. I was in fifth grade, I think, and um, it was just really cool because you know you listen to these people's music and you. It, they almost don't seem real and then you see them on the stage even though you're not like close or anything you just see them there and it's really cool and um the people like it this since this was in a stadium you know there were seats and um but everybody was up and dancing and really it was really fun so after you sort of had figured out that you wanted to start looking at music um you mentioned to me that in seventh grade you started composing what were seventh grade Nico's pieces like? Um, yeah, that's it's really great because they were really bad. <laughs> so I will say, <laughs> I will say that like from the moment that I started picking up the clarinet in fifth grade, um, I found myself. I don't know how I got it. I think my mom bought it uh, when I was taking lessons. Um, I had blank manuscript paper and I would just scribble things in, and 
I never knew what those sounded like. I was literally just putting notes on the paper and pretty sure they were always wrong rhythms and what I thought in my head <laughs> and stuff like that. Uh, so when I, I consider my first actual composition in seventh grade and what it was, was, um, there's some, there's a national organization called the parent teacher association. Mm. Um, and it's a school organization and I saw that they had, uh, a contest that they have each year called the reflections, uh, contest and they always have a theme and they, it's for all different kinds of literature and art. So. Um, you could write a story, photographs, choreogra- uh, choreography, um, filmography, composition, obviously, a bunch of different things in there that you can do and uh, submit into the contest. And each year they have uh, a different theme. Um, and so I saw this one day in seventh grade on the wall somewhere, and it said composition. And I'm like, I, could, I bet I could do that. And the theme was awesome is. So I went home that day and I talked to my dad and I was like, I need software because I was like, I want it to look good. So um, we we found Finale and we at back then Finale Notepad, which is now free, it was 10 bucks. Mm. So my dad bought me the $10 version and you can't do much with it. And my first piece that I wrote and I submitted into this contest was for uh, clarinet and electric guitar. Hmm. And my dad and I recorded it uh, hmm. for this contest. And I'll, I'll try my best. I actually have my piano behind me. Um, yeah, sure. And it was basic. It basically sounded like this. Was... And and you know just simple like little notes and um, and after that, then I just continued doing it more and more. Um, and I would submit into this contest every couple of years until, um, really my junior year of high school, sophomore year of high school, junior year of high school is when I really started to take it a lot more, uh, seriously. And, um, my chops as a composer really started to, to take a little bit more shape. Would you ever go back and replay those pieces again? Oh yeah, no. Uh, so there is one day that I really want to try and do a clarinet and guitar piece again and hmm. base it off of that first theme. I think it would be a really fun thing to do and take such a simple melody that honestly sounds like it's smoke on the wall, almost smoke on the water, you know, hmm. that guitar lift. Da, 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 da. And uh, it, it sounds so close to that, but, but uh, make it into like, a serious piece of music that would be interesting in the concert hall, you know, in chamber mm-hmm. hall. I think that that would be a fun experiment that uh, every now and then pops up in my head. I'm like, not this time, <laughs> but I'm getting there. I'm getting there. So when you moved coast to coast, did your musical taste change when you got to Florida? Um. So I'll say that, like, I really can't define what my musical taste was before uh like seventh grade because it was all just whatever my parents listened to okay and i mean it was great so like i i grew up with great music i wouldn't say that it was my own taste still because i was just listening to my parents music you know it was a lot of uh sticks super tramp you know like band kansas queen Hmm. bands of that era and you know great music a lot of fun stuff um and then i didn't own my first CD 
until uh, eighth grade when I did move to Florida, mm. and that was uh, Owl City's Ocean Eyes. Mm. Uh, okay. And I listened to that forever, and then, uh, you know, I really just kind of stuck with close to what my parents did until um, until I started to fall in love with, with reggae and ska, and I think that will probably come up sometime a little bit later in this conversation when we look at the pieces of music I selected. So once you started writing more professionally in your undergrad, you started working with Sid Hawkinson uh, at Stenson. Uh, what was that experience like? Yeah, uh, Sid, um, he's a crazy old man, (laughs) to be as respectful as possible, honestly, uh, because uh, I think anybody that knows him will agree that he is crazy in the best way, Hmm. and uh, I I say old uh, quite flattering uh, with the best intentions, because I think he's like 86 now, and he's still teaching at at Stetson, which I think is really admirable. so it was always really great um you know i studied my junior and senior year with him that's how the program was designed right um but he was constantly there every friday for composition for him um so i I always interacted with him and he heard my comments and uh he really uh took me under his wing quickly by the time i got to lessons with him um because i think that he just thought i had a real good head on my shoulders and um, was thinking a lot about what I was trying to do musically and um, you know I he absolutely just loved having lessons with me and I, ha- I loved having lessons with him and mm. we had great conversations and he says the wildest things and would always bring a smile on my face and just uh, really tried to open my world and how I think um, and I think that a large portion of what I'm doing now uh, just continues to grow out of those lessons and me constantly thinking back to those lessons with him. Hmm. So how do you think your compositions got better once you started your undergrad? Um, so the biggest thing that if you were to look back at, at the, the compositions that I, like, I would say like were, you know, serious works, um, hmm. before college was, um, there was just way too much polyphony. Hmm. and uh, the balance was always off so my junior year I wrote a piece for band um, and there's just so much happening at the same time and uh, maybe a college group might be able to pull it off but for a high school group the balance was just um, way off and I just had way too much stuff going on in lower layers and I just didn't quite understand that and how to give things space to breathe and everything was just too condensed I had probably like Um, 20 minutes worth of material in a five minute piece Mm. so what I really started what really started happening especially in my later years at Stetson was focus on minuscule stuff Mm. Um, I started to to think more about what am I doing in one or two beats Mm. and how can I extend that into eight minutes of music and what that started to to happen is um, you started to hear a lot more cohesion in the works. Um, things just flowed much more naturally. Uh, balance-wise, of course, then you start to be able to hear things much more clearly. Mm-hmm. And um, and even if I didn't, like if I had like a multi-movement thing, 
uh, where there wasn't like the same idea, you know, kind of tying everything together. Um, mm. There was still good good cohesion through each of the the movements, and I think that 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 is most well represented in my my clarinet piece that I did in my senior year called Tapestries, hmm. and that's seven m- movements, and they're all one to three minutes long, um, and it just feels very cohesive, even though each one of them don't necessarily sound like each other. Hmm. I've, I've really tried to think of how to weave them together, hmm. and, and ultimately I think it pays off well for that piece. And since you started writing uh, your piece that, that you won the, uh, the Stenson uh, Composition Award for, uh, Polar Circles, um, I think you wrote this for your brother, if I'm if I'm correct. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I dedicated it to my brother, and it was nice also because I was trying to pick my brother's head a little bit with him. Uh, funny enough, um, we had the we knew about this composition contest back in December of that year, hmm. and like the due date was mid February, hmm. and I kept starting over, and then I started <laughs> over the week of. Hmm. brand new and I took I well I took a, a little bassoon lick that I scrapped from an earlier piece and threw it in there and just made it slow and chunked it up a little bit and wrote the piece around that one little measure and everything just meshed really well and my brother has a marimba here and then I was able to talk to him about mallet movements and all this stuff and uh, it I mean, you look at it, and it looks like a decent marimba piece. So mm. it it looks good on paper. It's it's kind of hard, but I think that uh, it really showed like the thought that I was putting into it. And that you had him in mind when you wrote it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I always try to think about like universal performance aspects. <laughs> so, um, mm. like for example, if it's like extended techniques on a woodwind instrument. I'm not going to go to someone, like a, a friend, clarinet player, and be like, hey, what's your highest note? Because also as a clarinet player, I know like not everybody can hit that note. So I try to use uh, some practical stuff as well. Hmm. Um, so, I mean, I don't think I was writing too much with like, hey, Brian, can you play this right now kind of thing. Um, but I would, I, it was something that I would like to have heard him play, you know, like, and I, he did actually eventually play it, and it was really cool. He played it on my senior recital. Hmm. What was the inspiration behind the name of the piece? Um, I usually think like very abstract colors and shapes hmm. when I try to come up with inspirations for pieces. Okay. Um, you know, there are some people who write about like they think about current events hmm. or like seasons or locations or things like that are a little bit more concrete, um, you know, real world things. But um, I think, like, I try to think of more abstract things. Like, something like this painting that I have behind me. Hmm. Uh, you know, it's, it's just very abstract. I try to come up with something like that in my head and how I feel emotionally to those colors and shapes that I think in my head. Um, and I try to come up with that. And then later on, when I'm trying to as- attach a title to the piece, um, I try to, to grab some words that I think relate those emotions so Hmm. i think kind of what i was thinking was a little bit like the aurora borealis kind colors and shapes swirling you know um like a white lower you know like the snow and darkness of the sky and then just the colors right so 
you know, that wasn't exactly what I was thinking, but I didn't want to be like, oh yeah, Aurora Borealis. But to me, polar circles seems kind of like I'm alluding to that because, yeah. you know, you usually see those more towards the poles and they, they kind of are wavy, you know, they're not circles, but to me that kind of throws that illusion. Um, and, and I, I don't necessarily always want like the listener to be like, oh yeah, that's what they were listening to. I want them to imagine it for themselves. I think that the music can speak to a listener all by themselves. Hmm. So I throw them a suggestion and, um, and so for them, the Polar Circles title can mean something completely different. But that's my suggestion. If, if you know, somebody, whoever's listening and then they go and listen to that, they might be, oh, yeah, you know, I can kind of see the Aurora Borealis totally. on that. That's more my suggestion as the composer hmm. for so, the listener. So once that you left Stenson and you went to Ithaca College, how did your composing mind change? Um, or maybe it didn't. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I've been working with Davis this year, and it's been really great working with him. Um, pretty much day one, like, he, we, you know, first lesson, he's like, all right, what do you want to do? And I was like, well, my songwriting sucks, and my string writing sucks, and I should probably work on both of those before, I, like, I leave here. And day one, he's like, all right, you're going to do a, a string quartet with a voice, and you're going to do both at the same time. And it was a daunting, scary task because I want to make good music and these are things that are hard for me. Um, and so I just really had to, to dig in and do a lot of research about what these instruments do and think about, I continue to think about like cohesion that I took from uh, my undergrad professors and, and working things all together. Um, and so I think the biggest thing that I've been really focusing on is um, like how things are going to work together the practicality of things mm. and um you know it's it's hard to say from that piece uh but then the the payoff was for the the next piece that i did was a string uh, a solo violin piece for felix you know felix um uh from our program also felix Gimnasio. uh yeah and so um it paid off because that I wrote in a very short time mm. and I went from not knowing anything really about violin to writing a solo violin piece that was about seven minutes long and I think it worked quite effectively mm. and he really enjoyed it and I think a lot of other people really enjoyed it and on paper again it looks like a, a violin piece um, and that's that's always a nice thing you know to yeah. not have your music look like it can just be played on anything like you have specific intentions in mind um, and I think that that's really one thing that's starting to happen is um, things look more for the instruments that I'm writing for than just kind of like notes on the staff. Hmm. So the time that you had at Ithaca College briefly, did you have any experiences or moments that popped out at you that sort of made you change your mind about something? Or music at all? When you went to Ithaca College? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think the biggest thing for me has just been able to be around um, the musicians of the caliber that's at Ithaca. Mm. Um, Stetson has a very good program and we do have great players. 
I think that the the quality of the players overall are a little bit higher at Ithaca, um, especially with just like the general music ed program. Mm. Um, and it's been it's made me want to push myself more mm. on like what I'm putting on the paper. Right. Right. And let me ask you this last question. Uh, how would you like to introduce your musical tastes for your playlist? <laughs> uh, well, I, I'll say, like, first of all, according to Spotify, I listen to tens of thousands of minutes of music a year. <laughs> and just on Spotify, I think, like, around 60,000 minutes, which is, like, over a month mm. of music. And for me to just pick five pieces of music alone mm. is really hard. And then that's just, that's not even counting stuff that's like on YouTube and concerts that I go to and CDs and all that stuff. So this is a really hard task. <laughs> but I think that at least um, the five pieces that I've picked uh, will give at least an interesting snapshot of my musical life and tastes. Right. Um, so yeah. Okay. Cool, we're going to take a little break. If Nico can stick around, uh, we're going to check out his playlist and stick with us. And welcome back. And now we're going to check out Nico's playlist. And the first piece that Nico gave us is Optimism and F-Sharp by Bump and Uglies. Uh, what an interesting name for a song uh, and a band. Tell me about how you first heard about this piece. Um, well, I'll start off by saying that um, I'm a big fan of, of reggae rock and ska genres. Mm. Um, and I kind of was like always more in artists than genres for the longest time. And I think that I'm still mostly true about that. But I kind of fell in love with this reggae rock genre a few years ago um, and was just completely enthralled with it. Um, and... I came across this band uh, a couple of years ago, and um, this was on their most recent album of that time. And uh, it was—I think it was a song that I like. Occasionally, would skip over because it's just the singer and his acoustic guitar. And then I really started to listen to the words, and it just really struck a chord with me. Hmm. So here is "Optimism" and "F Sharp" by the Bump and Uglies. It's a life worth living A billion cells all working together It's one, create the warmth that you feel When you step into the sun Our existence is a complete phenomenon So whatever you stress and pales in comparison Live a life following where your heart leads You not mimicking charades displayed on social media Forget the values Society feeds you There's no right or wrong There's just whatever completes you in age It's all going to be fine Put worries out my mind I always must remind myself The struggle is divine Society draws lines But they are not how I'm defined Relax and give it time It's all going to be fine Not enough Hmm So what does this piece explore? Sorry, it was kind of clipping on me. Uh, what was it that you're saying? No, yeah. Um, so, how? What? What sort of elements does this piece explore? Um. So yeah, I'll just say that um, 
the part that I, I made you start off with, he sings a billion cells all working together as one hmm. create the warmth that you feel when you step into the sun. Our existence, our existence is a complete phenomenon. So whatever your stress and pills in comparison. Hmm. Um, and I, it's just that, like I said, that really hits with me. Um, hmm. To me, this is just a big reminder to step back um, and practice gratitude with our life, um, okay. what we have, um, you know, those around us. You know, this is a simple little reggae song by uh, a singer in a goofy band, but his <laughs> lyrics are really poetic in almost all of his songs. Hmm. Uh, and I think that it's easy to get caught up in negativity and let things bum you out. Um, but I think no matter what, we all have something that we're lucky for in our lives, uh, something we're lucky for or someone we're lucky for. And I really believe that everything happens for a reason. And hmm. as he says, it's all going to be fine. <laughs> and so, like, just to me, it's just, a you know, a really great message. Um, hmm. You know, there there's a really great video that I found online that's called um, An Antidote to, to Disappointment. Yeah by a channel called Kurzgesagt mm-hmm. and uh, and it's about practicing gratitude and uh, it was something that I realized that I do naturally and after watching that video made me more aware of it and like that this song is practicing gratitude and uh, you know I think that it's just a, a, a really great thing to do in life and it's it's mm-hmm. it always brings up my spirits what's the optimism in F sharp uh, well, I, like I said, I think that it's about like taking a step back, practicing gratitude. So that's the optimism, you know, looking mm-hmm. up, um, everything, you know, it's going going to be fine. That's the optimism. Okay. And then it's, it's in the key of F sharp. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny because you don't usually hear many songs uh, list their key signature mm. in the song, but I, I think, think that cool it's kind of neat that it does. Yeah. And I'm really happy that you brought a bunch of these pieces that I don't know because that's another reason why I started the podcast was that I'm so happy to learn about new kinds of music. And the next piece that you're going to let us listen to is uh, Port Blues Seagulls. Again, another strange name followed by another strange animal. Uh, Tell me about the name of the band. What is Port Blue? So... um Port Blue is actually a moniker for an artist, hmm. um, okay. and actually most people would know his more famous moniker, and I mentioned it earlier, of Owl City, hmm. uh, the behind the art, the radio hits of Fireflies and Good Time. Okay. Um, but before he became famous as Owl City, uh, the artist's actual name is Adam Young. Uh, he lives in Minnesota, um, and. He just started making songs under different names and different styles. So he'd do acoustic stuff, he'd do metal stuff, he'd do orchestral stuff. Hmm. And he put these out on MySpace back in like 2005, 2007 (laughs) um, under different names. And so this one was his ambient experimental project called Port Blue. Um, So I found it after becoming an Owl City fan after Fireflies came out. Mm. Uh, And so I I came across this song and his ambient stuff and really liked all of it. Um, And so this, this I think, is is one of my favorite songs under that artist named that moniker. Okay, here is Seagulls by Port Blue.
so different. So let me know yeah. what what sort of connection did you have to the to the artist again? Um, so he uh, he is most famously known as Owl City, right? And he just put out a bunch of different music, and I've just loved everything that he's done. And I came across this project and and loved it. Um, and so under his Port Blue project, he does a lot of these beautiful ambient simplistic things um and you know he, he just like very simple very clear mo uh melodies and themes and uh, it's just quite relaxing um and so early in my high school career i think freshman sophomore years when i came across this and um you know the little part that i had you play it just like struck me <laughs> you know, he's got this little simple jump drum it kind of sounds like walking beat you know yeah and then the strings come in and this little bell melody um and not many people know it but this exact song and that exact moment that i had you start at hmm. uh after listening to it a few times was made me that was what made me go i want to be a composer hmm. and so so this is this was actually what inspired me to do what i'm doing right now Aww. uh it's completely different stuff you know right, yeah what definitely. we're doing musically but uh that's what made me ultimately want to pursue a composition degree beautiful the next song that you gave us is uh by cashed out the song is called give back again two strange names i also love how you've been able to show me that uh before i start playing it uh what kind of music is this um, yeah, so this is another reggae rock group. Um, okay. They're actually uh, or in Orlando local, um, and I've completely loved loved them. I fell in love with them immediately. Um, I think that uh, they have just a really great sound. Um, you know, none of the art, the individuals in the band are doing anything like earth shaking as individuals, um, but their collective sound I think is just really what makes them successful as a group and. Uh, I've seen them live more times than I can count on my hands now, I think. Uh, and they're just a lot of fun, and um, again, the music just really resonates with me. And here is Cashed Out with Give Back. I'm a energy, I know. Never is the enemy The remedy is so got a lot of love and love show. So you mentioned their sound right before we started talking about it. What makes it so unique? Um, I, I like I said, I don't think that it's necessarily unique. Okay. It's just sound like they are as a collective really good at blending their sounds together and just making like a really strong piece of music. 
Um, you know, I think part of it is they have good selection of like, um, like what they're going to do use with the synthesizer is a big help with it. Mm. And, um, like their drummer is, you know, is pretty tasteful with his licks and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of like with their, their sound. Um, I think the big thing with this song, why I picked it again, has to do with a little bit of optimism and and joy and kindness Mm. to the world. And, you know, the chorus, uh, you know, it starts out with, uh, Let's live with some purpose and some healing. I'm all about that. A little kindness and healing, giving it back, right? Um, and, and it resonates with who I am as a person and how I treat other people and how I want to be treated and I want how I want the world to be. Um, you know, it's really kind of similar to the, the Bump and Ugly song that I selected earlier. Hmm. Um, but I, I just want to share joy with everyone. Uh, in a perfect world, you know, I want people to be generally happy and positive. You mm. can't always be because you got to take uh, the up with the downs, you know, and the, yeah. good with the bad. Um, but but anger and sadness are just exhausting emotions, you know. Mm. Uh, so I, I try to make my impact on, on those around me and those that I interact with day to day, you know, just out and about um, by trying to be as positive or giving out a positive energy, smiling at people, things like that. And the little things. Which is always what people should be doing, I think, but we'll, we'll have that. I agree completely. You know, <laughs> yeah. I, I want, in a perfect world, I would think that most people would want to lift up. And I, th- I think, you know, I think generally, uh, I, you know, I believe in the general good of people. And I think that most people would say that they, they believe the same. I think that how you do that is, uh, can be hard to achieve. So I think that that by generally passing it forward and trying to lift people up is is a good place to start. Hmm. You know, I am one person can only do so much, but right. I try to do that for the people around me and even the strangers that I interact with. Right. Well said. And the next song you gave us is by Alfred Schnitka. Hope I said that right. Schnitka, yeah. And it's <laughs> and it is the piano quintet uh, movement number five. And I can yeah. celebrate because this is the first composer that I actually know on your list. No, which is, but I mean, to be honest, it's perfect that you gave me a list, but I don't know anything about because I feel like you put together such a different sort of list here. Uh, for those who don't know him, do you want to sort of describe his writing in a few words? Um, I'll let you kind of start, and then you can go ahead and start, and I'll kind of uh, fill in kind of what about the this piece i guess sure i think i think what i know about uh schnitka is that he writes in a neo-baroque sort of kind of way uh that he sort of takes certain isms in in certain music and then he'll combine earlier or later techniques sort of combined at the same time so he has a little bit of a new added to his old music which i think is kind of cool would you disagree with that or would you agree with that um yeah you know i would say uh i'm not sure many i i'm not sure how many people would say probably like exactly baroque neo-baroque but he definitely i think his most notable piece is you know his concerto grosso right which is a heavy allusion to baroque music so Mm. So that definitely is accurate in saying that then. Um, 
But yeah, I wanted to, to include uh, Schnitka in here because, you know, as a composer, I'd be, I'd be doing a disservice to, to your listeners if, uh, and who I am if I didn't include some, quote, serious music, right? Right. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, he has a lot of great works. Um, I like this one a lot. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting because he has a, a string quartet with a piano. And the strings are uh, using microtones often mm. against the you know the traditionally tuned piano, which of course cannot have microtones. So you get a lot of clashing dissonances. Right. Um, Could you explain and, uh, what a microtone is to a non-musician who's listening? Yeah. So um, so generally, you know, you have whole steps and half steps, and if you were to look at a piano. Um, those would be like the main pitches that you can have. Um, but with how things are tuned and the spacing in between them, uh, you can actually have notes that are in between the notes on a piano. Mm. Uh, and those are what we basically call microtones. Right. Uh, and you can have varying degrees of microtone. So, uh, you know, you can have in between half steps or quarter steps, and then you can even go further than that. Uh, I think that he generally sticks with like, dividing it up into kind of like thirds in between okay. half notes so, okay. or half steps sorry okay uh, so yeah and here is alfred schnitka's piano quintet movement number five What a breathtaking change of color at that moment. That's so cool. Uh, So let me ask you this. What kind of music do you think he listened to? Uh, I don't even really know how to answer that, you know. Um, Yeah. You know, I'll say that it's probably not good that I don't remember when this piece was written. So it's hard to remember contextually exactly what was going on. Um... But you know, he was he was part of that that era of composers that were really trying to push things. Mm. Um, yeah, you know what? If I can answer my own question and to help you out a little bit, I actually think that he may have listened to a little bit of uh, slow Rachmaninoff or slow pieces by Liszt. I think in a way. And I think he he does a really nice job of combining some things that he likes and then other things that composers have done in the past. And something I wanted to ask you is someone once said to me that 
people who compose and do well are people who steal from other composers. I think that was mm-hmm. I think that was Art, uh, Stravinsky that said that. Do you believe in that, or do you think that it's sort of uh, good, it's it's a good composers steal, great com- or sorry, good composers borrow, great composers steal. That's right. I th- that's <laughs> completely right. And I think, do you agree with that, or you disagree with that? Um, you know, to a certain extent, I think that that it makes sense. Um, I think I believe that you are a product of what you have, have like your creations are a product of what your influences are and what mm-hmm. has come before you so in a way that is correct you know you are taking and from your your inspirations right. i think that's an yeah. important way of thinking about yeah. it. yeah how when did you first hear this piece um so i first heard it in comp forum my sophomore year of college at Stetson mm-hmm. um, our call our composition forum each week we had like to have uh, pr- presentations on different pieces of music and the composer behind it um, and so we listened to this whole work and we get to this fifth movement and it's got this reverse posticalia in mm. the piano mm. and it's the most tonal part of the whole piece and I just sit there and even even listening to it, you know, over the speakers and I just get goosebumps every single time I listen. Mm. Um, and so, like, I really believe deeply in the human connection of music, be it live performance, exploring the sheet music, teaching and learning, so on. It really has a great effect on people uh, and tying together the past, the present, and the future. Um, along with the different versions of the human experience. Um, and so I think that this piece really kind of reflects that because even if people don't quite get it, you know, quote, mm. unquote, mm. get it, um, because of like, or they don't quite understand or like it because of the microtonality in there, uh, I believe that that most listeners listening to it and they get to that, D flat resolution, that D flat major resolution in mm. the strings with the, the the piano still going at two fifty three in that that segment. Mm. Um, it just, I think that everybody can just feel that connection and presence in them, and and it really just is a really human experience once you get to that resolution. It's just a breath, you know. It's just, <sighs> and it's and it's. A great feeling every single time. Mm. So this next piece, I'm talking about it. I'm not even listening to it. Just thinking about it, I'm get, I get goosebumps. I just mm. love it so much. <laughs> right. I, I don't mean to be jumping ahead, but at the same time, I feel like I knew that this was coming. I feel like I I knew that you were gonna add a real big fish song because I know you are a very big fan of theirs. It's to introduce them about what are friends for by Real Big Fish. What what's so unique? And what's so different about their music that you sort of connect to? Um, so yeah, I, re- I remember listening to like their big album, Turn the Radio Off, mm. when I was a kid in the car, and we would listen to some of them, and occasionally it would be put back in the CD player, you know, while I was growing up. And it really wasn't until like my sophomore year of college that I really got into their music. 
Um, and I know that, you know, as a, as a ska band from the 90s, a lot of people, like, poke fun at ska. But they really don't under, I, I don't think that most people really understand just how, like, pervasive uh, ska is in a lot of things. Like, I'm pretty sure that a lot of people can turn on different TV shows and they'll probably hear a riff that's actually, like, comes origins from ska and stuff like that. Hmm. Um, and I, I just think that their music is generally a lot of fun. You know, they have a lot of self-deprecating lyrics or mean songs, and, and they're not really mean songs because knowing the artist, um, they're making fun of being mean, actually, <laughs> which I, I just think is really funny. Like, I'm not mean, but to, to joke about being mean, uh, I think is, is pretty funny. Mm. Um, so I just think that they're fun, and, you know, I I figured I'd put might as well put it on a Real Big Fish song because, one, I figured that you would expect it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and, and, you know, it's, it was what got me into like a lot of what I listen to now. Hmm. So I think that, that it was fun. And I picked a song that I don't think that a lot of people who listen to Real Big Fish actually listen to a lot. Okay. Um, but I think that this is one of my favorite songs by them, if not probably the favorite song. Okay. And here is What Are Friends For by Real Big Fish. I'm I'm so enthralled by how different their groove is from other bands I've heard before. I think that's so interesting. And let me ask you this: I feel like if I I feel like I know this answer, but maybe I don't. How many times do you listen to these guys a day? Um. You know, I probably listen to them a lot. I usually <laughs> probably will say, like, you know, I probably won't say, like, every day. No, no, which is fine, yeah. Pretty, I... pretty close to every day, you know, like, okay. uh, there was a time period where I think I was probably listening to them every day. I think my <laughs> uh, artist selection has definitely diversified a lot more in the last two years since I really right, fell no. in love with them. Um, but I do listen to them a lot, and I know pretty much all the words to their entire discography, which is a mm. lot of music over the last 20 years. Right. What is it like to see them live? Hmm? What is it like to Say see again? them? What is it like to see them live? Oh, they're they're goofballs. <laughs> uh, I've seen them three times in three different states. So I've seen them in different states. I saw them in, here in Orlando for the 20th anniversary of uh, turn um, turn the radio off. Which is actually how I got into the, to the reggae rocks right. uh, 
genre was okay. because one of my favorite bands, Ballyhoo, was opening for them. Um, and then I saw them in Reno. I flew to Portland to get, hang out with my friend, and we drove down to Reno to see them. Mm. And then I, I went and I saw them over in Syracuse last month. Right. Um, and they, or actually, no, I saw them four times. I saw them once in St. Augustine, too. Uh, but that, that was partially lightninged out. They're just a lot of fun. They, they tell jokes in between songs. You know, they, they're a ska band, so they dance a lot on stage. Mm. Um, people are always moshing. I'm a little guy. I'm 5'8", not very really big, bulky. <laughs> and I, I like being up at the front, uh, which is right where the mosh pit opens up behind me, so I kind of get pushed around, but it's okay. Um, I'm, I don't mosh, but right. uh, I'm okay with people moshing. They're having yeah. fun at a concert. It's all about sharing, sharing the fun experience. So we're going to take a break. Um, I'm going to test Nico on five songs by Real Big Fish. And what I did was I reversed the songs. And he has the difficult of figuring out what the name of the song is. And uh, if he gets it all right, I'll end him getting a prize at the end of the show. So if he gets all of them right, I will definitely owe him something. Um, I know he always denies me getting him food from somewhere or something, but I have to do end up getting him something. So, if Nico, if you don't mind sticking around, we're going to try doing this last little segment, and uh, we'll be right back. Thanks for the playlist. It was unique, diverse, and wonderful, and I'm really happy that uh, you got to send that to me. Thank you so much. And we'll be right back. And we're back with my friend Nico. Uh, Nico, I know how much you love this band, uh, Real Big Fish. And I compiled a five list of songs, and I reversed all of the songs, and I give you the great challenge of trying to figure out what the song is. You'll basically get 30 seconds of the song, but I've definitely reversed it. So let me know if you can figure it out. Here's the first song. Okay. Uh, this is this is a big hit. Sell out. Oh, we sell out. That's right. Oh, yeah. so good. Okay, perfect. Here is the second song. Let me know if you can hear this one. Is this Take On Me? That is Take On on Me. me. That's right. That's great. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, two right so far. That was really good. I was like, wait a minute, this sounds really weird. And then then I heard the horns, and I was like, okay, it's definitely Take On Me. I I feel like this is so much fun. I I love doing this kind of stuff. Here is this is great. This is really fun. Yeah, here is number three. Let's see if you can hear this one. Yeah. 
know it, but I'm blanking on the name. Do you have Can any? Can I look I... at my list? Can I look at their, their discography? Or yeah, 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 absolutely. All right, hold on. Yeah, yeah. Let me know. Let me, let me. Uh... So we're on number three, and we're hoping, trying to figure out if if Nico can figure this out or not. Nico. Hundreds of songs, so it makes it really hard. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you don't get it right, if you don't get it right, I will be able to reverse it back, and you'll be able to hear what the song uh, is. Yeah, let me know if you can. Could you could you start it over? It was kind of like clipping like on my end. Sure, sure. Here we go. That's right. That is Ska Show. That's great. So three in a row so far. You need five to win. Here is number four. Here we go. Do you have any idea, Nico? Do you want to keep going? Do you want me to keep going? Oh, jeez. What? Can I keep? Want me to keep going? Yeah, yeah. Keep, 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 keep going. Keep it going. Oh, it's beer. That's right. That's beer. Great, man. All right. And here is the hardest one of all, number five. Let's see if we can, if Nico can get this last one. Here we go. Uh, it's Alternative Girl. There's Alternative Baby, sorry. Mm, oh man. No. <laughs> oh. Um, here, let me, let me reverse it back. Let's see if we can figure this out. Here we go. You ready? Let me know if you can figure this out. Uh, she wants a girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> uh, great job, Nico. I really appreciate it. Because you got four out of five, the next time I see you, I definitely owe you a beer. Um, <laughs> um, so right before we leave, is there anything you want to say to our listeners? As we close out the show here? Uh, uh, support... Your musician friends. <laughs> I think that's all I can ever say. I don't know. Yeah, it's it was fun talking to you. I it's been it's been fun listening to the other podcasts. You've been having a lot of fun interviews. It's been fun listening. Hmm. Uh, 
Also, say shout out to Ryan because it was really funny. I got a good laugh out of Barbie Girl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. That was that was, that was a very fun. interesting part. I, I don't usually listen to podcasts, but it's been fun being a part of yours. Oh, thanks, man. I really appreciate it. Likewise, and, and I hope I can I can be of service uh, later on, and I, I still hope we can still stay in touch. So I, I really appreciate your time. Yeah. And I'll, I'll uh, see you next time. Thanks again, Nico. Thank you. Thanks, Nico. And you've been listening to Music Speaks, a podcast for lovers of music everywhere. Also this week, I'll have the chance to interview Rob Kinsler on my show, my best friend from high school, and I'm going to talk to him about his experiences growing up in Trumbull and his life and his job. And that's it for me. I'm Sean Kunis, and keep listening to what you love. <laughs>